Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today are our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pearce, our LFC editor, Andy Kelly, and digital guru, because he requested that we called him that, Paul Gorst. He's also with us. Uh, first topic of business is the League Cup semi-final, James. Me and you were down there at St Mary's to watch Liverpool lose 1-0 to Southampton. It's fair to say that it could have been a lot worse if it wasn't for Loris Karius. Uh, Jurgen Klopp spoke after the game that he said there'd be two disappointed managers, assuming he'd be one of them because of the way his team played, but also the Southampton boss because they didn't win by more. I think Liverpool got away with it a little bit, didn't they? I think that's an understatement, yeah. It was... Um... It was just a bit of it was strange. I think you could you could see from the wry smile on Klopp's face at the end that he knew Liverpool had, had had been let off the hook really because they were that bad. You know, any hopes of going to Wembley should have been dashed on the night. I don't think three 0 would have would have flattered Southampton with the the domination they had. Um, bar that first twenty minutes, um, created some really good chances. Liverpool were exposed defensively, gave away a sloppy goal, and yeah, but for Loris Karius's heroics and. And getting lucky with the woodwork, um, it would have been a much more damaging defeat. So, yeah, in the end, you know, when you when you, I think Liverpool left St Mary's, not quite believing their luck because you know they're still in a tie, which by rights having performed so poorly, they they sh- it should already be done and dusted. I mean, they talk about goal changing games, Andy, but certainly that first goal, the goal for Southampton, that changed the game completely because up until then there was the little hint before the goal. I think it was Redmond had the chance which Carrier saved, but before then Liverpool had started the game. Pretty well, hadn't they? There wasn't. They didn't seem to be much much bother. They had they had the ball a lot, didn't they? And uh, I mean, they had the ball quite a lot for most of the game, ultimately. But another sort of damning nail in the coffin of possession, isn't it? You know, it was um, they weren't doing anything with it. Um, I can't really remember Forster making very much of a save. I think there was one straight army tip. There was no. There was one from Firmino. That was it. Firmino, yeah. yeah, From the the, and you know you would have been disappointed if your keeper doesn't save that. Um, So. It was really disappointing. I mean, Klopp spoke afterwards about the reaction to that goal. We know goals change games, but it, it comes back to mentality, that, isn't it? I think Klopp expected more from his team. I think most of the fans out there would have expected more from us to be able to... You know, you, you're perfectly capable. I think Klopp said it's perfectly normal in his in his terminology to go away in a cup tie and go behind. And that happens You know, somewhere in your mind as a footballer. You could be thinking that's a possibility. And it seemed to completely throw... Uh, the game plan, and I think a lot of it came back down to what we spoke about, I think, in the pod last week, which was that Liverpool haven't played very well for a while. Paul, I mean, you watched the game, and looking at it, did it remind you a little bit of the Premier League game that Liverpool played at Southampton, uh, I think it was back in November, in the sense that the minute that Southampton scored, it's almost like they reverted back to, right, we're going to put everybody behind the ball and see what we can do for this. Yeah, I mean, I, I know they've got quite a good reputation as a, as a good defensive side, and you know, the two times Liverpool have played them at St Mary's this season, that's certainly been proven. Um, Virgil van, van Dijk at the back, he's, he's a superb defender, and, you know, the likes of Cedric and uh, Ryan Bairdson as well. Um, they're an excellent defensive unit, and, you know, Liverpool struggled to break them down, struggled to create anything really, um, particularly last night. And um, no, it's it's definitely going to be an uphill task in two weeks' time. Andy, do we blame the kit? <laughs> <laughs> well, you wrote a piece today surmising that perhaps it was time to give Toxic Thunder a. To a be fair, I've been saying that since they actually came out and unveiled it. I mean, it, I mean, it's horrible for a start, and it has coincided with our three defeats this year. Though there's a bit of 
don't know what the statistical phrase is, confirmation bias. That, I mean, ultimately, we wear that kit on away, away games, games yeah. where you're far more likely to lose. So it is, you know, an away kit is generally going to be most associated with far more with defeats than than say the, the red, especially Liverpool's uh, you know year long um, fortress Anfield now. So um, it is horrible. I mean, it should it's a horrible kit for me, and um, was was clearly. Uh, doesn't seem to be a very lucky kit, given that it coincided with Bournemouth, Burnley, and uh, and uh, Southampton. So I'd be quite happy if they gave it a rest. But am I right in <laughs> am I right in suggesting they will be wearing it at Old Trafford on on Sunday? Um, United generally wear black socks, so that could put the black second kit in jeopardy. I would have thought. Liverpool wore the white one didn't they last season, and yeah. I think that was the third one. So it might be another case of third kit. I think Liverpool might decide that they want to wear black because if they wore white last year, which they did, United have got, I think, is it white shorts? So it wouldn't have clashed. I mean, it's one of these things, isn't it, where I think teams get something in their minds about whether they think a particular kit is lucky or not. And we, we're, we're trying to make it that the, the toxic thunder we is. We will try is, to find this out for definite and put it on <laughs> yeah. your website, people. We should have researched it beforehand, shouldn't we? But I think I fear it could be toxic thunder, if I'm honest. James, are you really bothered to what they're going to wear? No, not remotely bothered to be honest. No, I don't think it's got anything to do with the defeats that Liverpool have had. They've, you know, they, I think you know, it needs to be kept in perspective, doesn't it? Was it three defeats in twenty-six games in all competitions? Um, and yeah, different different types of setbacks. When I think Burnley you know, made a, a really bad start in the game, and then just had no spark in attack. You know, Bournemouth was a completely different where Liverpool were absolutely dominant for most of the game, and then capitulated in the last 20 minutes I think for me having, having kind of been at every game although it's 26 this so far this season I thought Wednesday night at St Mary's was the worst performance by some distance just because you know despite how bright Liverpool were in the, the first 15-20 minutes it was it was just worrying to see them just not respond at all to falling behind against the run of play and just, just and it was like in every department you couldn't just point and say you know, he didn't get enough out the the front three. He didn't get enough out of any any of the outfield players. You know, it, 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 a certain amount of irony that Loris Carius was the only player to emerge with any credit from the from the evening, and he you know, highly unlikely that they all feature at Old Trafford on Sunday. Uh, and when you're approaching such an important fixture, uh, and so many key players are so so miles off their usual standards, you know that that has to be a concern. I mean, Paul. Uh, James has mentioned then about Liverpool that's probably their worst performance of the season but it was also the fact that there were so many individual players who had their own worst game of the season I mean it's that Adam Lallana I don't, you know, I don't think he's ever played that badly true though. yeah um, I mean if you look at the two defeats in the league uh, Burnley uh, dominated possession they reduced the pot shots from outside the box but you know on another day they, they, they might have got the equaliser or you know gone on to win Um Last night they deservedly lost, um, and you, you couldn't really argue any sort of refereeing decision or whatever it was. Just performances across the board slip. It was quite alarming, really, um, particularly with, with Sunday's game coming up. Um, but no doubts about it. I, I said it this morning when I come into work. Um, the performance was the worst of the season so far. Is, it, is that the first time this season we think that Liverpool haven't been the better team well I was going to say that it seems that every time they played they've always looked like they were the more likely to win or or that they could win but on you know last night they never at any point convinced that they were going to do anything other than get beat and in some ways Klopp spoke after the game and he said it was the third best result we could have had 
he's pressed on it a little bit and he says, well, you can win. That's the best result. Draws the second best. And he said the third best is just to lose 1-0. And it kind of, the, the insinuation there is that he kind of got away with it, which is what I think we'd all agree on that. I think, you know, I think it's been mentioned already, but I think his, his um, belief or his thoughts on... Um, Two two legged yes. ties will yes. have been uh, notably <laughs> amended, I suspect, um, because you know the joy the joy of them is that you you get another go, and um, he'll be impressing upon his players. No, as Paul said earlier, there's, you know it's absolutely no given thing that Liverpool will can turn Southampton over at Anfield, but I think most of us in this room and most of us listening to this pod would expect that it'll be a very different game at Anfield. Uh, the crowd will be massively up for it, I would have thought. And that produces a different type of performance from the opposition. Because the thing you have to remember about Southampton, I mean, they've been garbage over Christmas, haven't they? Because they, they mean, weren't they, that good. They, they, got, they got a terrible <laughs> schedule, didn't they? Worse than worse, the worst that any one club had, worse than Liverpool's. Um, they weren't able to cope with it. and But their players almost looked like they'd been saving their performance for last night. It's the semi-final, yeah. chance to get to Wembley. Probably most of them think you know, Southampton. You know, we might not. We're not going to maybe challenge top six because the top six are back really strong this year. But we're not going to go down. What I'd like out the season is a Wembley trip and maybe maybe winning a final. And I think they were that that defence that had been so leaky over the festive period um, looked superb last night. And also they got you know the running done from from. The rest of the team really helped them. So, but will they be able to replicate that at Anfield? Um, you know, nerves will play a, a part. They'll have the crowd on their back, um, and they'll have a different Liverpool team. I'm absolutely certain of that. James, another thing that perhaps people are forgetting is that while Liverpool have lost, the the actual goal they conceded was down to a terrible defensive error by an individual player. And if that hadn't have happened, it could conceivably have been nil nil because. For all the talk about, oh, they had a couple of chances. It was a good save by Carries, but then that's kind of what he's there for. You know, you could easily say, well, Forster made a decent save from Firmino, but that's what he's there for as well. You know, the goal was down to one individual error. Liverpool could have got away with an even better result, really. Yeah, but I, I think after a night like that, when you've performed so poorly, you know, I, it, it was just in keeping with the, the general malaise, wasn't it? The, the nature of the goal, I think. You know, the worry is that that Clavin does seem to have gone off the boil a bit. He, I thought he was, you know, he was he was brilliant at Goodison before Christmas. Uh, very good against City, um, but you know he was he was poor at Sunderland just after the turn of the year, and and again you know just just a lapse in concentration, um, you know, a basic error that left Liverpool exposed. But you know it wasn't just him. You know I thought the two fullbacks were were poor as well at St Mary's. You know, both of them, Klein and Milner, had been. Such models of consistency so far this season, but Miller Mil- Mil- just controlling it with his face. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, even you know, I think he'd be the first to admit that that was that was a long way short of his. He looked a little of his tired best. in the second half. Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah, so many of them did though. I thought yeah. really leggy. Yeah. And even the goal, I think, obviously, Clavan gets the stick because it's his miss kick that opens the opens the door for Southampton. But Klein completely watched uh, Redmond go past him and didn't didn't trap the run. Um, so it was, it was just, yeah, it was just, just poor defensively. And should say actually talking of defensively, but we mentioned Lallana, and I, I think like Paul said, you know, probably is his worst display of the year for sure. But we should mention that even in that type of display from Lallana, um, 
the the Southampton, you know, it's still still work working really hard. That Southampton chance where on the break when uh, Cedric Suarez you know took the shot, yeah, um, and he's got um, he's got a man square which I think was Redmond. And the reason he can't play that pass or the pass is far more difficult is that Lallana is the man back on his six yard line there. And well, he was, the clock must have said something to him at half time because in the first half there was a few times where he just didn't didn't trap back, didn't work that way. He was working going forward but wasn't really doing much with it but the climb was a bit exposed in the first half yeah. I think Lalan is going to be massive on Sunday and his yeah. ability to um, <clears throat> hold the ball for Liverpool and get them moving forward and not get in that situation where you get the ball back and instantly you're, you're trying to do something with it that that instantly gives the ball back to United because then you get that sort of concerted pressure at Old Trafford that you don't need I think Lalan is going to be really crucial in terms of holding the ball in tight areas under pressure and being able to just pass it simply and getting Liverpool to get their passing going on Sunday. I mean, I don't like to point out individual players when the Liverpool lose, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, and one of them was Emre Chan. Now, I did the ratings and gave him a four. And a lot of people said, you know, you're a bit kinder <laughs> You are always a generous soul. You know? No, I'm, I'm not. Actually. You're the, probably the first person that's ever said that to me. But Paul, I mean, obviously... Emre Chan, towards the end of last season, he got that injury, then he, he got back into the team for the Europa League final. Then played for Germany at Euro 2016, but since then he's come back and he, I think he missed the start of the season because he was, he was recovering from yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, but he's never really got back up to speed, has he? No, he hasn't. I think was his, his first performance was against United, was it, actually, in October, which was yeah, mid-October. Uh, so that's quite a, well, that's two months, really, before you, you, you get going. Um, but last night, it was, it, as he generally tends to, he was taking four touches when he only needed one yeah. or two um, a lot of the time looks like he's playing uphill, he, he was really <laughs> struggling, um, but as I say he wasn't the only offender last night um, but yeah, he, he, he wasn't great and I think he, he, we're very kind to him um, I don't know it's his birthday today but, <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday <I'm> right. <laughs> Yes uh, The other thing about, uh, about Chandler is that I think James mentioned this when we were talking on the way home, is that he know when he knows he's having a bad game, he then seems to try even harder, and in some ways that makes things look even worse because he's you know he's, he, his legs are you know two to the dozen that kind of yeah. thing. He just seems to be trying a bit too hard. He, he does that thing where he he carries the ball for a long way, doesn't he? And mm. um, um, that can slow things down ultimately because no player moves as fast as the as the ball does, and uh, that's what he gets most most of his criticism from the supporters for, and. Um, I think he is, to a section of support, he is becoming a bit of a, you know, he's becoming a target as someone who is maybe more of a problem than a solution at times. And um, I'm not sure whether it's just fine. I mean, we mentioned his birthday, he's turned 23. Mm. Um, but that that's when you need to be, you know, starting mm. to really... Well, as Christian Walsh player. likes to point out, that uh, Kevin Stewart is older than Emery Champ. And look at the respective progress they made in their careers at Liverpool. Yeah, agreed. And but I think Emre, you know, we have to we have to have that in mind with him that he's still you know work in progress. But some perhaps perhaps because of the high hopes for him, maybe that's what's left him exposed a little bit because there was that feeling that he can become a you know. Brendan Rodgers called him a Rolls Royce of a yeah. midfielder. Well, Colo Tori described him as the new Stephen Gerrard, didn't he? He said he, you know, he, 
we've already got the new Steven Gerrard here ready to take over. Yeah. So well, I don't, don't think that does him any favours, to be honest, no. being heaped with that kind of pressure. I think if he, when he does carry the ball, you need to see an end product and where you'd love it to be if, if he carries those balls into dangerous areas. I was thinking this against Plymouth when a lot of times he was on the ball on the edge of the area. And you just really wanted him to have um, a pro, you know, a, a goal-scoring shot in him. And, you know, he, he has that, that comes down to confidence, though. It shouldn't really. He's never struck, he's never struck me as someone no. who's short of confidence, Emre Chan. He's played you know, over 100 games. I think his mirror has broken many <laughs> times it gets looked at. You know, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a confident fella, isn't he, Paul, I think. And to, to me, I mean, maybe he's paying for the um, the deflected one he had against Chelsea, his, his first one, if you, if you remember, when he scored. And you thought, it was a long oh, time ago, that. It is a long time, but maybe Lady Luck hasn't shone on him very much since. Um, I mean, he scored a couple of goals this season. You thought he can go on and, and do a bit more. But I'd, I think if he could add some goals from the edge a bit, because that's where he tends to have the ball when he does get into that process of carrying at 30 or 40 yards, then you're getting something back for for that in a, you know, perhaps inability or lack of desire to sort of really shift it quickly, which I think the supporters would like to see a bit more of. Now, he was in central midfield alongside um, Lucas Lever, who I gave him an eight, and a lot of people disagreed with that, but I uh, possibly a seven, having thought about it again. But he was still the best outfield player for Liverpool. But there was some suggestion afterwards that you can't have a midfield, James, with Chan and Lucas because... For all their qualities, neither of them is the quickest. Yeah, it's not the most mobile, is it? I think, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think we'll see that happen too often. I don't think it's happened too often before under Klopp, hasn't it? I think it was a, it was a rare chance for Lucas in his favoured holding midfield role. And, and yeah, again, I, I, I didn't quite agree that he was an eight, but he was certainly a, a six or a seven. Um, seven, then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was far too one-paced and too easy to outwit and. But the one, I mean, a little bit of sympathy for Emery Chan, and I didn't think Genie Wijnaldum was any better than him really last night. He, you know, he was the one to get hooked. It was um, terrible, why not? Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, and so, you know, sometimes Chan can be a bit of a, just, you know, certain players and they just attract the criticism and others just, you know, go under the radar a little bit. Um, but I also think what didn't help the midfield three was just the lack of movement and runners and options ahead of them because, you know, yeah, we've already said Lallana had his worst game of the season. Firmino, after a bright spark, uh, bright start, went, went completely missing. Sturridge was an absolute passenger throughout, and he was a big disappointment for me because I thought that was a that was a huge chance for him. You know, only his seventh start of the season in all, in all competitions, and with a huge game on the horizon as well. You know, that was his audition to like nail down a starting spot for Old Trafford, and he he didn't take it. You know, Van Van Dijk had a had a great game. I gave him a kick, but you know you wanted Sturridge to, to drop off into pockets of space at times and demand the ball and try and make things happen, which is what top strikers do. But he didn't do it. Um, he was he was never really an option, you know. And he, just what summed up his night was when he went sprawling in the box midway through the second half, appealing for a penalty, and you know Van Dijk just just too strong for him and outclassed him on the night. And you know when you think that was the that was the stadium where he kind of announced himself mm. to Klopp with those goals in the League Cup last season. You know what a contrast to Wednesday night because you know he, he went missing on the he went missing and and Liverpool didn't have that focal point in the attack. But you'd have appealed for that penalty if it was on you. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thought as much. Do you, think, do you think Liverpool perhaps missed a little bit of a trick here? And I know Origi didn't have a particularly great game against Plymouth, was it? I think he played. Yeah, wasn't great then. But he obviously scored a hat trick 
when they're at the League Cup the last season. And, and Van Dijk did an interview recently where got kind of interested. He said which strikers did he think were the most difficult to play against? And he mentioned Sturridge and Origi because of the movement. And that's the one thing that Liverpool didn't have, wasn't it? Absolutely, and it makes you wonder if 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 Klopp's potentially was looking at Origi for Old Trafford. Um, you, you, you can't say for sure. It was a semi-final and he was talking about putting out his strongest team and Origi got, what, 10 minutes at the end, did he? Mm. Um, he hasn't He hasn't been in the best the last couple of weeks, best of form, has he, uh, yeah. Origi? For all that, I remember when he started against Plymouth and was poor, I, I checked, and I think that was his 10th start of the year and sometimes you forget he's only started 10 games. I think another 12 or 13 now off the bench, but he's got. I think he's got seven goals in those ten, you know ten starts and sub appearances. So, uh, and he's been important in a couple of games where he's he's, he's made made a difference. But he do, he doesn't look full of confidence at the minute. But um, I mean, for all that the Plymouth game d- didn't suit uh, Divokarigi's talents in terms of there being no space to run into, that's one thing you'll get masses off at Old Trafford. Um, big pitch. Um, it, you would imagine it would re- it would really suit him, and especially with Liverpool potentially at certain points of the game for sure being under pressure and wanting to play on the break a bit. Then Riga gives you a fantastic outlet. Um, came on us, didn't he? In the uh, did he come on in the Europa League game? I'm trying to remember over there. We should have checked, shouldn't we? But uh, <laughs> uh, we prepared properly um, for this podcast. Yeah, um, but. Um, He's he's a he's a good player. He's gonna be a very good player. Whether whether you think he's you know quite up to you know leading the line at Old Trafford, or do you bring Firmino back into the middle and use Origi's pace wide right? Because uh, he's he's got that ability to play out there too. Paul, you mentioned uh, Van Dijk before, and obviously there's been a lot of suggestions that he could move from Southampton. Now, is he worth fifty million pounds, which is the fee that's being bandied around? And would he be somebody who you would quite like to see at Liverpool in the future? I'd like to see him definitely. Uh, whether he's worth fifty million—that's that, another question. But if he—it's sort of got to the point now with transfers that the fees are irrelevant largely. Um, you know, the talking about fifty million—that's probably a bit excessive. But he might be worth around about the, the thirty-five million mark, something like that. And obviously it's not that much less, but it's it's the going rate for the top class centre back at, at the moment. You look at what United paid for Eric Bailly over the summer. Um, John Stones obviously went to City, um, so you know it it would be in excess of, of, of at least thirty. I'd imagine if if someone's looking to prize him away. But if you actually would, would I like him to like to see him around field, definitely yeah. Is that because just because of the way he is, the way he plays, or because Liverpool do actually need more? Uh... Options at centre back. Both, I think. Um, I think Liverpool are a bit short at the back. Um, we've obviously got Clavin, um, and then Lucas has just been converted into a centre back, hasn't he? Uh, now Joe Gomez has come back, but he's only played one game against Plymouth. Um, he's still is he twenty? Yeah, nineteen. 20? Still nineteen. 19 yeah. yeah. So you know he's got time on his side, but I think Liverpool are a bit short um, in the centre back areas, particularly you know with the way that the, the Sacco situations unfolded. Um, so. I think both quality-wise and, and for numbers, Virgil uh, van Dijk would take all the boxes for me. Van, van Dijk and Matip would be, I mean, that just whets the appetite for me. You know, you've got everything there. You've got, you know, 
because you know, Van Dyke's what an athlete he looks. You know what I mean? He reads the game great. He's uh, got a pass on him. Um, he, he's a threat in, from set pieces. Um, tremendous player, and I'd, I'd, I'm astonished that Manchester City haven't just gone to Southampton. What's your price? And paid it, um, given that they seem to have the financial clout to be able to do that. Um, do you think that's because they're not 100% top clubs aren't 100% sure because he's only done it over a short period of time but, at the top level yeah but this time last year no one was talking about him yeah. well no no one were no one was particularly talking about him but people were aware of him playing very well at, uh, you know and he played he played very well at Celtic to get his move um, they were you know people north of the border Scottish football okay Scottish football absolutely it's you know it's not in great shape at the moment Um but he's a tremendous player, and you know if Liverpool could get him for anything between forty and fifty million, I have no problem with them spending that money on Virgil Van Dijk. Absolutely no problem at all. I don't think they will. Yeah. Um, but he's a he's a better player than Dejan Lovren. Ultimately, you're going to improve. It's it's one of the most important positions on the field, isn't it? Centre half. If you can be solid at centre back. So many other things flow from there. You win your one nils, you know, and you can spend an awful lot of money trying to find you a couple of strikers to get you that goal that gets you back into a game when you've gone behind. Well, go and seal it up at the back. That lad can be your centre half for the next five to seven years for me. I'd whoever gets him. Um, Jan Mulby's column this week in the Echo. He talks about how he would go into any club in the world would be glad to have him. And uh, I have, you know, Jan knows a lot more about football than anyone else in this room, and uh, that'll do for me. James, if you had a club, would you want him there? If I had a club, yeah. Uh, not not at the prices that are being quoted, just because really? I haven't, That's I haven't, I haven't seen enough of him to honestly think he's of that that caliber. And I don't think he's done it over a long enough period of time. Um, it's it's just not Klopp's style, is it either, to go out and spend. I can't see him ever spending forty, fifty million pound on a centre back. Um, you know, he's is very that, much is that about because he's not been able to. Or that because no, he wants? I just don't think he doesn't. He doesn't want to, does he? You know, I think he's he spoke back in the summer, didn't he? About you know, I'm not interested in this season's top player. I, I want, I want, a, I want next season's top player. You know, he, he want, He's looking to. You know, he, he wants to to mould players and develop them, doesn't he? And you know, he's always talked about. You know, he doesn't buy world class talent. He he makes players into into world class talent. But I think there's still a massive upside to Van Dijk. You know, he can get better, but he can also the the big thing for him would be be doing it on the biggest stage. You know, he's doing it at Southampton where there's not a huge amount of pressure to do it game in game out, and or to to do the this those three or four things absolutely spot that you have to do at a top club. Um, in every in every game, and that's still what he has to prove. But there's nothing we've seen from him so far suggests that he wouldn't be good enough. And um, you know, this, this is a very bad error from Pierce FC to to, <laughs> to, to not want him. I can tell you that. Pierce FC, not at that price. No. What about? And, uh, we don't want Klopp what? turning into Arsene Wenger. By the way, oh, I'm not. You know, I don't want to buy anybody because you know those. 
five years Wenger had where he just didn't... Well, he spent £35 million pounds on Manny or whatever it was, 34 or 36, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it's more than £30 million pounds on yeah, it. Yeah, 30, so, so why why not spend, to me, if he's been prepared to spend that, then yeah, I think Van Dijk could have that sort of an impact. Could you pay £50 million for it? Yeah, I would, because we should have spent, in the summer, if you think about it, you're paying, if we paid 25 for Matip and 25 for Van Dyke, no one would argue. That's two good players. Mm. And essentially, that's what you're doing. Because he's given himself, he's got himself ahead of the, uh, you know, ahead of the, the pack by getting Matip for free because of his, obviously, his, his knowledge of his contract situation at Schalke. Um, that gives him money in the bank. He's got, uh, he spent, what, six million since he came last uh, October 2015. That's his six million net, was that? Six million net spend or something. It's negative, isn't it? Um, He made a profit on it. In this this year, I think. But I think overall he spent six six million spending. But either way, it's nothing either way, is it? So so if you think that the the budget must have been at least 30 plus what you can bring in, which, which works into the net anyway, in the summer. So he's still got that spare. So for me... If I thought we could get him, because you've got a chance in the sense that United have, have as Paul mentioned, have bought nope. uh, Bailly. Bailly. Um, Would Arsenal, Arsenal Chelsea bought the, Louise. Arsenal spent a lot of money on uh, Staffy. Yeah. Yeah. City got stones, as Paul said before. So, so there is there is a chance there. And if there is not, any chance... Would he not want to go to Tottenham, though, Pochettino? They never worked with him, though. He wouldn't work with him, would he? No. They'd be looking for a chance. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's a fantastic chance to strengthen. And yeah, we've got Lovren, he's a good player, and we've got, got Matip and Gomez coming through. But throw Van Dijk into that, suddenly you think, that, you know, the, any suggestions about Liverpool being weak at the back would um, swiftly disappear. Very briefly on transfers, Dimitri Payet today has basically come out and said that he doesn't want to play for West Ham anymore, and it looks like he's trying to force through a move to Marseille. But if Liverpool had the opportunity to to get in there and make a bid 20, 25 million, would you? I mean, I wrote a piece today saying he'd, he'd have to consider it simply because he's somebody who can bolster the squad this season and he'll still be around next season. Only only for me if they knew something that we were going to lose a player in that position. I think it's a position we're relatively well off in. Mm. I also don't like what I've, what you've seen from Paye yeah. today in terms of what it says about him as a character. Yeah, and, and, and where, where um, would he fit into... He doesn't do pressing, does he? That, he wouldn't. He wouldn't be a good fit for Liverpool. Oh. No, I agree. Um, I, I enjoy watching him. Uh, last few months, he, he sort of tailed off. He must have been, you know, uh, looking to down tools and, and seek a move. But um, I don't think he'd, he'd fit into the way Liverpool press and, and you know, particularly the way that, that front three uh, go at it. Um, not for me. Yeah. Well, you're on your well, own. Well, you're all wrong. Right. Doyle FC has <laughs> bagged yeah. uh, Payet in the draft. Yeah, I'll probably get Van Dijk as well because James doesn't want him now looking ahead then to Sunday Old Trafford we've been talking just before we started about what we would think Liverpool how they would line up and I know Andy you were having a, a bit of an issue about what team you'd, you'd <laughs> pick you pick Kelly FC would be struggling going to Old Trafford <laughs> on Sunday I have to say so I'll, 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 start, I'll, start, I'll start with James because he's always mega positive about everything and I'm positive that he thinks this will be the team so go on well, I'm not saying this will be the team. I'm saying this would be my team if I was if I was picking it. I would. This PSFC or Liverpool FC? This is Liverpool FC. Okay, right. With with me as manager just yeah. for Sunday afternoon, um, I'd have Firmino as the number nine. Um, 
I don't think I could trust Origi or Sturridge to do what I'd want of them on the day, on current form in, in recent games. Uh, I'd have Coutinho and Lallana either side of Firmino as, as a front three. I think Firmino, you look at the big games Liverpool have had at big away grounds, Firmino's been in that position. Um, and I think that brings out the best in him. And then, obviously, Jordan Henderson, touch wood, will be fit enough to start. He's back in full training. As long as there's no adverse reaction to the pain in his heel, um, you know, he's a shoo-in to, to come back in. You know, as long as he can put up with the discomfort, then he'll... Then he'll start, and then I think you know you'd have you'd have to then it would be Chan and Wijnaldum, um, you know, just operating just ahead of him. Which, of course, that's a leap of faith when you saw how Chan performed in midweek. But I don't think he can be that bad again. Uh, and again, hopefully, you'd bank on you know the big occasion bringing out the best in him. Um, Mignolet has to start in goal despite Carrius's heroics. He's been he's, he is the number one at the moment. Hasn't put a foot wrong since he's come back into the team. Um, and again, Joel Matip back in full training, um, but you know I don't think I don't think he'll be ready just because we've only had he's had two three sessions after missing seven games I think it is uh, with that ankle injury. So you're banking on Clavin, Lovren, uh, Milner, and, and Klein as the back four. And what I would say with, with Clavin, you know, he's made some mistakes recently, but you know you look at the big games and, and you know, maybe it just focuses his mind a bit because you know he was faultless at Goodison. And hopefully, in a similar kind of atmosphere at Old Trafford, he'll, he'll deliver the same again. Paul, would you uh, agree with James's team, or do you think there should be some changes? No, I largely agree. Um, if you look at the, I mean, Klopp hasn't been able to field his what he'd call his first choice since November, since Coutinho went off against Sunderland. Um, obviously, he got half an hour under his belt uh, last night. So I think you could be looking at what would be approaching the first choice if, if Matip and Henderson come back in. Obviously. That's a bit of an if at the moment, but you know if if they're past fit, then you know Klopp's got his first choice. So I'd expect Henderson in the middle with Wijnaldum and, and Chan. Um, for me, you know, to to be the, the the false nine as they call it, um, he tends to to, uh, to to play that role in, in the big away games. And United are on a nine-game winning streak, so you know it's obviously going to be backs to the wall at times. Um, so I think the team James has gone for there, I'd largely agree. Andy. You've had your chance. Yeah. What's it going to be? James has passed me a note from the sideline. <laughs> and, uh, I, I, I think I'd go with James's team, I'll be honest. Um, the, the, the My worry is <coughs> Henderson in terms of fitness and coming back into a game like that. Uh, if, if, if he wasn't you know, quite up to it, then you could obviously drop uh, Lalana back and push Origi into that wide right. What I would be absolutely certain on is I think it's now... It's not really clear if that Liverpool's best displays have tended to come with Firmino at at, at at nine. I wouldn't even call him a false nine anymore. I just think he's you know just play him just a nine. Uh, just mm. a nine. He's just a nine and, and play him there. And it would be nice to see Firmino, Coutinho, Lalana trying to sort of. I think they were the three at City last year, which was one of our favourite recent performances, weren't they? And um, you know it's. Um, that would be that would be ideal for me, which requires Henderson to be uh, to be ready. I'm not so worried about Emre Chan in this game. I think it these types of game work for him. His size will help him cope in the midfield against the likes of Pogba, um, who'll be a threat. And um, of course, Ibrahimovic is is the one we're going to have to look out for because uh, you know he's 
Ian Doyle is shaking his head uh, for those who can't see it. But, um, I was I shook my head for a lot of years on him, but I think the last yeah. three to four years he's been absolutely top class, and I think he's got eighteen for the season now in all comps. There's some there's some um, mental stats about Ibrahimovic where he's played something like eight hundred and odd games in his career. And was he thirty five? He's only been injured for something like thirty two games, which suggests one or two things. One being he doesn't really run around a lot, which we kind of know. But the other thing is that because he's so like built and so he's so big, that he just doesn't get injuries, doesn't get these impact injuries because players just bounce off him. Yeah, well, that's so ours aren't bouncing off him on Sunday. <laughs> um, and you know, and the other sideshow, the horrible inevitability Rooney. of yeah. Rooney. <laughs> um, you know, he's been saving it. The boy, he's been saving it. The, you know, the boyhood Evertonian who've gone on to be a United legend and here come Liverpool as he looks to t- I mean I saw somebody tweet about just get on with poor old Bobby Charlton can't be yeah, bothered no. watching this anymore and, he's been uh, on television more in the last couple of months yeah, than, and, than, than when Mrs. he was playing and Mrs Charlton there <laughs> by his side and um, the only the only thing is he's, he's tended to be fairly rubbish against Liverpool hasn't he uh, he obviously touched, we're all touching wood here and uh, he did score at Anfield Couple of games ago, didn't he? Yeah. But um, has, it's the pen as well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. 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 Lost around field, wasn't it? Yeah. Last year. Absolutely. And the argument is, would he be in your most feared United team? He wouldn't be in the most the United team that would that I'd be most scared of. But um, yeah, I think Mourinho likes his his presence, and you know he'd be he'd be well up for it. But you know, give him his record if we win two one. Absolutely. I'll, Plod him off. <laughs> James, are you, James, are you uh, in any way worried about Sunday simply because, I mean, at the moment, I think United are, is it, how many points are behind? Is it seven or six or something? They'll be two behind if they yeah, beat it's five, 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 five. It's five, five that's five, right, yeah. yeah. So it's five, so it could be the two points behind or Liverpool win eight. So yeah. in, in that sense, it is, even though there's still like 17, 18 games to go, it is a very big game for shaping the rest of the season, yeah. isn't it? It, it is. It, I, think, I think it's massive. I think when you look at it, come... Late Sunday evening, Liverpool could be two points behind Chelsea, or they could be eight eight points behind them, and not even in the top four if if the other results go against them as well. And you know, suddenly, you know, rather than looking up and and thinking of of a title push, you're suddenly thinking, well, hang on a minute, you know, even a top four spot we could be playing catch up on. So it is a huge, it's a huge game. Uh, you know, it is concerning the fact that, you know, I think United have got the momentum, haven't they? Liverpool have lost the momentum that they had before Christmas. Um, and it, it does feel like a real potentially season-defining uh, occasion because, you know, I think if you go there and win, then all the frustration of the last couple of weeks is is, is washed away and, um, you know, suddenly the absence of Sadio Mane isn't as keenly felt um, and no one's really going on about transfers and the lack of depth and all the rest of it. But you go there and, you know, heaven forbid, lose, then... You know, then it you know it does you know a blip becomes something more more serious than that. So, yeah, it's 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 a, it's going to be a huge occasion, um, and you just hope that, that this you know because the stakes are so high that that brings out the best in in Liverpool and the best in Jurgen Klopp. Final question then: um, What do you think Paul would be regarded as a good result for Liverpool on Sunday? A draw. Um, you take that now. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'd take a draw. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that's that then. Unanimous. I know, I know there's a thought, oh, that, that could leave you another two behind Chelsea. Um, it, I'm sorry to interrupt, the thing is, the funny thing is, for everything that's happened over the Christmas festive period, 
athletes. Right, so Liverpool are actually one point nearer yeah, to yeah. Chelsea than they were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Chelsea win the thing, and then I think they've got Hull the following weekend, yeah, which yeah. is virtually a gimme. Well, you can't say gimme. I mean, Liverpool will go to Hull, I think. Uh, it's next month, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You know, no guarantees they'll win at Leicester this weekend. There's a, it's, I know Leicester haven't been great, but they're capable of putting out a performance. I know they, they showed it home to Man City. And I think the thing... At Everton? You, yeah. you mentioned it in terms of... Or, James mentioned in terms of if you were to lose, then you you could end up out of the top four. And I think one of the one of the things that we've that just we've got to do is try and make sure we're in that top four. And I think getting a point um, for all you know, at this stage, you'd be you'd have a little disappointment in terms of you end up seven behind. But it's a point, and United are no closer to you. And uh, I think. You've, you've got to ensure that top four and then see see what happens from there. Right, that'll do us for this podcast. Join us uh, next week where we'll be looking back at what happened at Old Trafford, which hopefully won't be a Manchester United win.